We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Here on Firefall Talk Radio, I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. That's right. This is the basics of what it's supposed to be like, what the Book of Acts Church did. We examine the Word of God. We don't filter it. We don't water it down. The water of the Word is all we need. By delving deeper into Scripture and taking it as it was written, as it was done, we're finding the church the Lord intended, not the one that man-made tradition created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking influence the Book of Acts church had. Church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. Go to onsolomonsporch.org, or you can go to Firefall Talk Radio, and you can contact us there. There are ways to support us. We appreciate your support. And make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. It is the main site for our, I don't call them shows, our Bible studies, our podcasts like Overwatch and some of the others that might be coming. If you want to support us again, we appreciate everyone that does. We need your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. If you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio, welcome. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. There was a new Overwatch last Sunday. If you want updated information on current events, go to facebook.com forward slash Supernatural Response Team. It's a SRT Overwatch info page. I've been trying to post um, at least a couple every day. We start out every Bible study, every ministry or spiritual event with praise reports and prayer requests. So, of course, I praise the Lord for my salvation because otherwise I don't have any of the things I'm about to mention. I praise Him for my home, my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, our grandson, our furry kids, and every possession that I have. I praise Him for His protection, this ministry that He allows me to work, for the dreams and the visions. I praise Him for the healing virtues that He still offers to us. I praise him for the ability to praise him. You know, sometimes when you get down or the darkness gets too strong, you can praise your way out of it. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I praise him for his favor and divine revelation that he continues to share with us, that even considers us to tell us what he's doing and what's coming. Let's praise him for being a new creation, living in a fallen world under his covering, under that Psalm 91 covering in these prophetic times. I praise him for America. Yeah, we have our problems. We have our differences. We may be headed into some dark days, but you know what? We can worship him in spirit and in truth without infringement. And I praise him that he's getting ready to return. I really believe that, so let's get ready. My prayers always start out with, I pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for the Middle East. Psalm 122, 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper 
who love you. I always pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, and I pray for the victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents. I'm really fed up with what Hasatan, Satan, and his minions are doing to the innocents of this world. I praise I pray for missing and exploited children, another thing that gets me going, and the victims of sex trafficking. How long, Lord, will you allow Satan to do what he's doing, and how long will the church be asleep while he's doing it? I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Religious persecution, anti-Semitism, the spirit of the Antichrist from 1 John 4, 3, it's here. He's not here yet, but the Spirit is, and it grows bolder as the time comes for his personal unveiling. So if we're going to serve him, if you want to serve him, then you need to start praying for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing. You need to start speaking to the cells in your body. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. Tell them to get back to their divine design. Every four days, a cell in your body is is replaced. And it's going according to the code of your DNA. Speak to it. Pray. Tell it to get back to the way God designed it, not the way the world or your choices or ancestry has corrupted it. I pray for healing in everyone that's suffering right now. Pray for my wife, Deb. She's dealing with some pain. Uh, If if you know the whole story, which I'm not going to tell you, she had a serious fall five years ago, and she's still suffering from it right now. She's in some pain. So I'm asking each and every one of you to start praying for her healing, for her divine restoration. If you're sick, be healed in the name of Yeshua. I'm not telling you to not accept the reality of the fact you may not be feeling well right now, but what I'm telling you is not to accept the condition. Every day, almost every day, Larry and I, fellow member of SRT, we pray. And we pray for things not as they are, but as they should be. We speak to things like our our health and our finances and in our desires to serve him in the kingdom and the dreams and the vision that he's been very active to give us. And I praise him that we are living in a time of dreams and vision. I pray that the remnant would wake up and rise up and answer the call to action. I sincerely believe that breakthrough, breakthrough blessing is coming. And that's going to put us on the road. That's going to put SRT on the road. It's going to put the porch and firefall out there doing what we've been called to do as a resistance army against Satan and what the the corrupt world is doing and what the dead church is allowing and participating in. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. If you know somebody that's been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. We need doors to open We need to finish this documentary, and we need to make another one right after it and keep going until the enemy is on the ropes and crying for mercy, and there will be none. We need to pray that we prosper in accordance with his word. It's not about us. It's not about getting things or owning things. It's about furthering the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. You need to be the head and not the tail. You need to be above and not beneath. You need, be, need to be the lender and not the borrower. And to do that, we got to get out of debt. We have to get out of the control of the world system. We have to finally leave Egypt behind. So I'm praying that he opens the conduits of his blessings to each and every one of us to fund the dreams, to fund the missions, to fund the vision, to help the lost and the dying, to go look for the sheep, to take the wounded ones and just hold them in our arms and let the balm of Gilead, the hot oil of the Holy Spirit, take care of them. I'm asking you to pray for divine favor. Let's get these legal matters. Some of you are involved in some stuff too. We, my family and I is in adversity. The enemy loves to send adversity. So we have some legal matters that need to be finally done for my wife and I and for my son and daughter-in-law. And and if if this is you, then claim it. And, of course, we have to pray for our lost family members to get saved. Nothing, nothing, nothing is more important than preaching the gospel 
to the lost and the dying, to bring them into the kingdom, get them translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So, Father, we call them in right now. We call them in. As I'm praying this, begin to name lost loved ones, family members, friends, people that you care about that are unsaved. Start to name them out loud. Call them into the kingdom. Call for an angel to go visit them. Call for somebody to share the gospel with them. Father, we call them in. We call them in. We call them in. We call them in in the name of Yeshua. We claim them saved, healed, and delivered, set free from this world. Names written in the Lamb's book of life. Break through the darkness of their mind and the bitterness of their heart. Lord, we love you. We can't do this without you. We can't do it without your help. We can't do it without your blessings. We can't do it without your finances. We can't do it without the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need you. And we're so thankful for you. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you that you loved us when we were unlovable. And you had your only begotten son, Yeshua, die for us. Shed every drop of blood. Endure the embarrassment and the pain and the scourging to pay for our sins. Lord, we thank you for doing that. We thank you for the unbearable pain you endured so that we could be restored and reconciled to the Father. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that he sent you back to walk with us and encourage us. I know some of my brothers and sisters need some encouragement. They need some comfort. They need to hear his word in their heart, their mind, their souls, and their spirit. Begin to hover over them. Begin to glow out from inside of them. Holy Spirit, I know, I know that I know that I know that you desire to do these things. So, Lord, we clear our minds right now. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to be changed. That at the end of this hour, revelation has come. Word has come alive. Dead parts in our hearts and our souls and our minds are now alive. We want to wake up, Lord. We want to be the awakened remnant. So we pray over the technology, we pray over everything, and we offer it up to you for your glory. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So as you can tell, I'm a little fired up. And that's what we're talking about, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Talked about Reinhard Bonnke, the global evangelist that passed away recently. He does some great, great teachings on the Holy Spirit, some really good books out there. This is what he says. We cannot preach with Holy Spirit power unless we preach the Word. He, being the Holy Spirit, is committed to the Word. He's not just a sweet influence or a gentle ambiance of a church building, but he is the living link between God and the Word. That is His eternal association. When we preach the Word, the Spirit is in it and in the gospel. By that gospel we say, let there be light, and there is light breaking like dawn on people hearing us. The Spirit acts when the Word is spoken. Holy Ghost preaching is not just passionate, but creative. The Spirit was the operator when God spoke at the beginning, and His work on earth when the Word is spoken has always been creative. Men come alive through the Spirit Word. They are born again by His creative work. No preaching of our own, however brilliant, brings miracles, but the Spirit belongs the Word, and the Word belongs the Spirit, charged with 
No, that's got to be a massive typo. But the Spirit brings the Word, and the Word brings the Spirit, charged with all the energy seen from the day of creation. The divine purpose in Holy Ghost preaching is nothing less than the miraculous. See, the Word leads to the Spirit, and the Spirit leads to the Word. And I don't understand how so many supposed preachers and teachers want to tell you that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer active. They ended when the church was finished. Church is not done. Be that as it may, I'm not going to go there. That'll send me off-road to another place. But you can't do this without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without the fruit of the Spirit. You can't do this without the gifts of the Spirit. That's why the first thing the Lord did when he sat down at the right hand of the Father was to send back the Holy Spirit to his church. He didn't send back plans for building programs, you know, divine blueprints. He didn't send back educational programs. He didn't send back schools of ministry. There are no mentions of schools of the prophet or any other program steeped in Old Testament thinking in the New Testament. Stop. Stop recreating Old Testament things that were based on an external manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Let's start living the way we were designed to live with the internal fire of the Holy Spirit, the internal combustion engine that gets us going. I am so, so tired of ineffective believers and organizations that keep telling you to look for the external when it's the internal that gets you going. Hey, I think it's great if 65,000 kids, 18 to 20 years old, fill an arena and worship him to, for two hours. But I also know smoke and mirrors and the loud sounds and the, and the show will get people going. I'll know that that's doing something. When those tens of thousands of kids go back to their communities and get people saved, healed, and delivered at such a rate that the world gets turned upside down. See, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to get out there on the road and start fires, Holy Spirit fires everywhere we go. We're looking to get out there and punch the enemy in the face. I'm not looking to be nice. I'm not looking to be his friend. I'm not looking to get along with the world system. I'll do whatever I have to do within that to obey the laws, but I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to get along, and I don't think my team is either because we're all on the same page. That's why I'm asking you to pray for us. Pray that this money comes through. Pray that the millions of dollars, possibly even billions of dollars, necessary to destroy the work of the enemy like the resistance fighters of World War II and get out there and do what the army itself is not doing. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in his name, in his place, to represent him and act on his behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall, he will remind you, bring to the front of your mind, bring to your remembrance everything the Lord said. And when that comforter, that counselor, the helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby comes, whom he sent from the Father, the Spirit of truth, there is no lie, there is no fake, this is the Spirit of truth that allows you to worship the Father in spirit and truth, who proceeds, literally emanates from the throne room of God, from the Father himself, will testify regarding Yeshua. He will glorify him. And he will take what is his and declare it to you. I know that because that's what John fourteen twenty six, fifteen twenty six, and sixteen fourteen tell me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit predominantly, almost exclusively, is Messiah-oriented. It's all about him. It doesn't bring attention to himself. It doesn't bring attention to people. 
I don't believe the Holy Spirit inspires anybody to put their name on a ministry. There's only one name that belongs on a ministry. That is the name above all names. That at that name, the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the pit and the underworld and Sheol and the darkness and proclaim that Yeshua is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the purpose of fire-breathing, word-of-God preaching. The Spirit's never self-serving. And that active presence of the Holy Spirit, is in, it is vital. It is mandatory. It is the life's blood of the remnant. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time teaching on the nature and the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the New Testament is about the Holy Spirit. 400, close to 400 references in the New Testament to the Holy Spirit. And while the Old Testament was focused on the external stimulus of the law, the New Testament shifted to an internal focus and stimulus of an internal Holy Spirit, inspired, fire inside of you. See, you're born again because of the blood shed on Calvary. Your spirit filled because of Pentecost. And you are empowered in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit to walk as his witnesses in a fallen world that's ruled by Hasatan and the fallen ones and their demonic offspring. If you've ever been in a power outage, the most important person in the room is the one who has the flashlight. That's who we are in a fallen, darkened world. We need to be the ones that have the flashlight. We need to be willing to show people the way to safety. And right now, if you don't have this fire, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never experienced it, you don't have experiential knowledge of it. You can have intellectual knowledge. There are bookshelves filled with books by people that have no experiential knowledge. But you know what the world needs? The world needs people that know what they're talking about. They need people that are scarred. They need people that are healed. They need people that have been through it. They need people that have been out of the darkness and made it. They need people that have had miraculous healing and deliverances and marriages restored. And and they just, they need you. So right now I'm praying wherever you are. And I am praying with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all the spirit that is in me. Yushapabashetah. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Wash away all the things that you've held on to. Wash away the baggage that you'd carried with you. It may have some kind of sentimental feeling to you, but let it go. Stop stop dragging it with you. There's nothing in those bag of rocks that weigh you down are worth keeping. Right now, whatever hurts you, whatever relationships, whatever things that have happened to you, I ask you to pray with me. Lord, in the name, above all names, your name, by your blood and by the fire of the Holy Spirit, I release these things to you. Cast them away from me. Let me forget them. Let them be gone in Jesus' name. You're not going to make it if you keep carrying these weights with you. You're not going to make it when it comes time to run. You know, you want to run and not be weary. You want to walk and not faint. Well, you're not going to do that by carrying the things you're carrying. Yeah, I know it was real. I know it hurt. I've been through some of those. Even after I got saved, I've been through some relationships that really let me down. People that you opened your heart, your mind, maybe even your home to that let you down. You got to let them go. We're in a war. And the war's about to escalate. 
to a place that the world and the church has never seen before and the majority of the church is not ready for. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all the things I just said, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace that's been prepared for you, Above all, take the shield of faith, taking the shield of faith, the action of taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, that was Paul's scope. That's what he was trying to get the Ephesians to understand. He was trying to get them to understand a cosmic viewpoint of the gospel and the kingdom of God. As I've said, Ephesus and Corinth, these were occult-based cities. These were paranormal cities, if you want to use that term. They understood the supernatural. He was trying to get them to come above it and see it from a godly perspective. From the beginning, he drew their attention to the unseen world and described the spiritual battle that takes place against the evil in the heavenly realms. He reminded believers to draw their strength from the Lord and from his power, from his dunamis, the self-replicating power of the Holy Spirit, and warned us that our life in this world isn't about roses and picnics and and uh, potluck Sundays. And it's not about that. It's about a standing strong against the evil powers aligned against us looking to destroy us. I'm sorry if no one ever told you this. This is not our home. We are an occupying imperial army of the king left behind to hold the victory that he accomplished on Calvary. Unfortunately, the majority of that army has sat down, abdicated, turned in their weapons, and are doing nothing. But I refuse to do nothing. I refuse to put down my weapons. I refuse not to keep my sword sharp. I refuse not to keep my shield soaked in the water of the word. See, Paul was giving them a comparison based upon the armor and battle dress of the first century soldier. Clearly, the military representation he offers is intended to show the reader that we are engaged in an active battle now. And though some suggest, and I've heard it, that the viewpoint of a continuous aggressive struggle minimizes the victory of the cross, and I say, no, it doesn't. In actuality, it asserts the victory of an unre- against an unrepentant foe, a foe that refuses to submit. I mean, let's get real. Satan got kicked out of heaven along with a third of the angels by Michael and the other two-thirds. And he didn't back down, did he? He didn't back down when he went after Job. He didn't back down when he confronted Yeshua in the wilderness. He hasn't backed down yet. He's a terrorist. No matter what you tell him, he's going to do it anyway. And the only thing they understand is power. You've been given that power. He's still out there doing his thing, First John 3, 8. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated divine law from the beginning. For this reason, the Son of God was made manifest, visible, to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of, that the devil has done. All spiritual warfare, 
today is based on a victory that was already apprehended and appropriated for us by the cross and by his blood. Colossians 2.15 tells us that he has disarmed principalities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. He made a public spectacle of them. That's a a reference to the fact that after an army won, they took the kings and the generals and the soldiers and the spoils and marched them through the streets so that everybody could see they were defeated. Well, if we started living a victorious life, if we started showing people, yeah, there's there's this entity called Satan, the adversary. There are fallen angels. There are demons. But you know what? I'm walking in victory. I am a literal example of the triumph of the cross. He's been disarmed, yes. He's been defeated, yes. But he's still aggressive and non-compliant. That's why you and your families and if let me let, let's just boy I'm I'm just really flamethrowing tonight. If you're listening and you are the head of your home, if you are the husband and the father, listen. If you don't have that and you are filling that gap and Yeshua is helping you do it, then you need to listen. The condition of your home is on you. You are the high priest of your home. You are the one that's supposed to be interceding for and praying for your family and standing in the gap for them. So don't tell me when something happens to your kids, your homes, your pets, your possessions. Oh, the devil did this. No, the devil did what the devil does. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You need to stand in the gap. You need to get up every morning and understanding that there's a price on your head and everything that you have. You need to be aggressive, not reactive, but proactive. Why? Because you've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the adversary, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be well-balanced. That means temperate. Sober of mind, you need to have self-control. You need to be vigilant and cautious at all times. There's no downtime 24-7 because you have an enemy. The devil, the fallen angels, the demonic offspring, the kingdom of darkness. They're they're looking for someone to tear apart in their fierce hunger. They're looking for somebody to seize upon and devour. They're like jackals and hyenas. But you know what? There's some videos on there, and they're pretty brutal, of jackals and hyenas attacking, like, one lion. There's one in particular. It's an older lion, and somehow he fell asleep in the sun, and he separated from his pride. And and these jackals and hyenas, they surround him. They're attacking him, and he's doing his best to fight him. And all, all of a sudden, you hear this roar coming from the right side of the screen. And here comes his brother, his big brother. Maybe it's his son. I don't know. But this is one bad-looking lion. He's big. And he comes in there. You know what he does? He knows who the leader of that pack is. And he pounces on that predator, grabs it by the neck, and snaps his neck and flings him through the air. And the rest of the hyena run. That's the world and the war we live in. There are people you have to intercede for. There are people that you have to help them resist. They're tired. They're new at this. They're hurting. Resist. 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 Resist the devil and he will flee. Once you've submitted to God, once you've bowed before him, once you've bent the knee, he's going to lift you up. That's a that's an active imperative. Resistance is an active imperative to take a stand against the adversary and their operations. They're aggressive in their hostility. They offer you no mercy. They look at you. They see you're marked by the blood. They see the one that defeated them. They see the one that that kicked their fathers into the pit. They see the one that stole their earthly kingdoms. 
There's no mercy in their hearts or their minds. Oh, they may say nice things to you in the darkness. They may offer you great things. But anybody who's been in demonic bondage knows the poison of those lies. We, as believers in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we who've been set free, we must be spiritually alert. And I don't mean sitting up in a tower and acting like you're a watchman. When the war got really bad, watchmen came out of the tower. They drew their swords and they got into the battle. And it's time for all the so-called watchmen that are out there selling their wares and acting like they're very special to sit down, shut up, grab a sword, and get to work. There's a war, and we're losing too many young lambs. We're losing too many older sheep that don't understand this battle, that are broken and they're hurting. They need somebody to say, hey, I'll fight this with you. I'll fight it for you. We need to be sober, self-disciplined. We think we need to think rationally, not foolishly. We, we need to not be fooled. By the snake oil salesmen out there, we need to be vigilant, alert, Eyes open. Head on a swivel, they call it in football, so you don't get blindsided to the spiritual pitfalls of this life and this world. And we need to take the appropriate steps to make certain that we don't fall. And if we see a brother or sister fall, we try to catch them or we help them up if, we, if we're not there at that moment. See, Satan, the adversary, Hasatan, he... He's pretty serious about what he does. He's an avowed enemy. He never ceases from being hostile, even when he's smiling and being nice. And you know what? From the beginning to now, from the time he got kicked out even to now, he's accusing you before God. That's why whenever you mess up, that's why whenever you're outside the word, outside the spirit, outside relationship, you got to repent. you got to put it under the blood, make it forgotten so that he has no power to raise it before the Lord. Go with me to Job chapter 1, Job 1, 9 and Job 2, 7. All the angels come to present themselves before God. I do not personally believe that Satan has close access to the throne. What I do believe is that he has access to the area that gives him shouting distance to the throne. And the Lord, and God, you know, the Lord is, he's, um, he's proud for Job. He's, he's, he's speaking him up. And Satan shouts out and answers him. Does Job reverently fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have conferred prosperity and, hap and happiness upon him in the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Yeah, that's the way he talks to God. Don't tell me he's within spitting distance of the throne room. No, a guy like that shouts from the back of the room. I grew up with guys like this in New York. I grew up, I was around guys like this in the park where I hung out. This was the kind of guy that jawed at you, and if he was within distance, he got slapped. So those kind of guys, they, 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 they say that stuff out of arm's way with one foot behind getting ready to run. They're weasels. And the Lord said to Satan, the adversary, the accused, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon the man himself you shall not put forth your hand. And Job 2.7, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the soles of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, some people say, why would God allow this? Well, he knew what the outcome would be. He knows the end from the beginning. Maybe there was an aspect of Job and his family. If you look at his family, they, they, they had some serious partying issues. But be that as it may, he knew how it would turn out. 
Maybe he needed to reveal to Job the condition of his friends. Be careful with your friends. My mother had a saying, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. She was right. The people you choose to hang out with, the people you choose to call your friends, will be a great indicator of who you really are. And these boils weren't just little lumps. This is the same word used in Exodus 9 about the Egyptian plague of boils. Same word used in Leviticus 13, Deuteronomy 28, 2 Kings 20, Isaiah 38. And its nature is not known. But what it indicates, it's like a burning sore, some form of leprosy and inflammation and ulceration of the flesh. And Job's got him everywhere from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head, which means it's in some cracks and crevices on the body that if you've ever had any itching or whatever in those other nether regions, armpits, places you can't reach, Job's in some serious hurt. But the end of Job was better than the beginning. And you've been in some serious hurt. And what I want you to do, not right now, because I want you to keep listening. What I want you to do is in your alone time with the Lord, not as an accusation, just go over the hurts. Go over the spiritual boils and pains that the enemy has inflicted upon you. And ask him to return to you sevenfold what the enemy has stolen from you. The enemy's a thief. A thief must return sevenfold what he's stolen. Whatever he's stolen, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's financial, whether it's family, whatever it is, remind the Lord of his word and his kingdom rules. Remind him of what you've been through. He already knows. In Zechariah 3.1, we see a vision of Zechariah And he has shown, Zechariah is in a vision, and he's shown the high priest Joshua interceding for Israel. And then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. You know, angels must have some serious self-control. Because if I was an angel... I'd be the kind of guy that would accidentally stick my elbow in Satan's eye. Which is probably why I'm not an angel. Then go with me to Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, where Yeshua predicts Peter's fleshly failing in his denial. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, literally flip you in the air, Take you apart, but I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Wait, 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 Lord, don't you mean that you're not going to let him do this? No, Peter Peter really needed to see how much of his flesh, and really needed to see a true reflection of himself to become who he needed to be. Revelation 12:10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven. saying, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who has accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down 24-7. There is no time in the spirit realm. He's making accusations. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, if we've done or have anything right now in our life that Satan has allowed to accuse us of, we repent. We say we're sorry. We put it under the blood. We ask you to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. And we ask you to shut his scaly little mouth. You see, we need personal faith right now, people. Personal faith that will position itself against evil. That will be aggressive in prayer warfare. To assail demonic strongholds. We've got to stand our ground. We need to stand firm. And you do that with the, the sandals the Roman soldiers wore. They had the little studs on the bottom. you got to stand your ground. Stop backing up. 
Stop sitting down. Stop turning your head. You got to look at this straight on. Start looking at things straight on. And that armor has a belt that holds it all together, the belt of truth. Probably the most important aspect of it if you've ever worn uh, armor, which which I haven't, I'll be honest. But I have worn a, um, in Taekwondo, we call them toe box, but the uniforms. And they have those, these loose shirts that hang down about hip level, and the, the, the white pants are pretty loose. But if you don't put the belt on, that thing flies all over the place. But when you put that belt on, and in my case, it is a black belt, but when you put that belt on and you wrap it around twice, you do it in that knot, and you give it that final pull, it holds everything together so that when you do the forms or do whatever you do, that uniform snaps and crackles in the air. That belt of truth holds it all together. Isaiah eleven five gave us a foreshadowing. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. But then you got to protect that heart. That's what the breastplate of righteousness does. And isn't it interesting that it's a breastplate of righteousness? Not a brute force, but of character, his character. That's what wins the battle. Character is our defense. Why? The accuser of the brethren does what? He assails your character. What if he has nothing to accuse you of? And Yeshua himself is described as having that breastplate of righteousness when he goes to bring justice. Isaiah fifty nine seventeen, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and he was clad with zeal as a cloak. And those shoes I mentioned, the preparation of the gospel of peace, they are fitted with readiness. You're prepared. Why? Because somebody else already did it for you. But the interesting thing is the the feet in the Old Testament were described as messengers' feet. They're either barefooted or very lightly covered. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. But now, see, this is the clear differentiation between Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament, the messenger was barefooted or just like a sandal or leather around their feet to run quickly to kind of protect them. But now he's got the protective, supportive footgear of warfare. This gospel of peace is going to be delivered in danger. It's going to be delivered in warfare. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach. Because Messiah is our peace, for he himself is our peace. He has made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation here, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the hatred that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore therefore putting to death the enmity, the hatred. It's already been accomplished. The preparation of this peace is ready. He's done the work with his blood. All you have to do is receive it, put it on your feet, and share it. But you have to have a shield of faith. And that shield will extinguish the flaming arrows of the fiery one. And that's that large Roman shield covered with leather, which was soaked in water to put out the flame-tipped arrows that the enemy would fly at them. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, Husbands, love your wives as Messiah has loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Yeshua didn't just die to bring forgiveness, but to give the, to put into effect a new life of holiness in his church, which is his bride. The concept of washing 
with water, the water of the word, should direct us right back to John 3, 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John fifteen two and 3. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the water which I have spoken to you. You're not going to have fruit on his vine unless you've been watered with the word. Titus 3, 4, and 5, But when the kindness and the love of our God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10, 19-22, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Right now, be washed by the water of the Word. Right now, be washed by the water of the Holy Spirit. Right now, be refreshed, be renewed. No more no more dried-up, cracking spirit man. Drink it in. Drink it in right now. Let it fall upon you. Let it just wash you over. Let just the water of the throne room, let him just lift that laver up and just cover you in it. Let the flood come. Let the flood of blessings come. Let them come so hard and so fast you've got to lift up your apron to try to catch it all to drink it in. See, he, he did that for us when he died on the cross. He entered the most holy place. He made us perfect in his holiness that we too could enter through that curtain. You know, that whole visual of running up to him in the throne saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. He sacrificed himself. He endured the shame, the blood, the pain. And then that resurrected body opened up the gap to lead us in. He invites you in. He opened up the veil. He said, let us draw near to God. Let us hold to our hope. Let us consider how we may spur on one another, encouraging one another through faith, hope, and love. See, even though this is a singular battle, you have to draw your sword. You have to hold your shield. You have to deal with the fiery darts of the evil one, but there are people standing next to you. They're fighting too. And at some point, the commander may give the shout to join, may call for a wall. He may do whatever the command is and bring you side by side, back to back. And you may hold your shields in front. Some may hold them up overhead. And you may come together to block out the attack. And then you may move in unison to walk over the top of the enemy. See, this battle is spiritual. It's fought in his strength. It's dependent upon the word. It's done through prayer, but you have to apply it. And that helmet, that helmet of salvation, which protects your mind. The interesting thing about the Roman helmet, it it was pretty cool looking. It was a striking symbol of being a part of a powerful imperial ruling army. Well, folks, we are the occupiers in a fallen world. We are a part of an imperial kingdom of God army. Start holding your head up. Stop letting the enemy beat you down. Get that get that helmet on. Make it polished. Make it shine. Hold it up. And we got to pray. All kinds of prayer. Every order of praying. In English, in tongue, in whatever. Whatever the Spirit has you do, do it. Maybe you sing it. Maybe you shout it. Maybe, I don't know, but you got to do it. The Holy Spirit, he's helping us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for. He does. So he prays through us. And it may be groanings with words that make no sense, that can't be uttered, but he knows what he's saying. The Father definitely knows what he's saying. He's pleading for us in harmony with God's will. That's Romans eight twenty six through 27. 
And, and Jude 20 tells me that when we pray like this, we build ourselves up. We edify ourselves. We, we pray in the Spirit. Paul teaches this. He made it clear to both Corinth and Ephesus that this is what it was going to take to win this spiritual war. The Spirit's there to help you in your weaknesses. If you've never done it, say, Holy Spirit... Help me to pray. Help me to find the right words. And if there are no words, help me to find the right sounds. But help me. And let it just come out of your heart. Just let it go. Stop worrying about what you're hearing. Stop worrying about what your lips are doing. And turn it loose from your heart. That's why. He sent back the Holy Spirit. That's why when they were sitting there in Acts 1. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That you've heard from me, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember John said to the people, Luke 3.16 and and every other gospel, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. The water baptism is repentance. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire, the sanctification, and the empowerment. That's that's what you need if you don't have it. If you do have it, you need to throw some wood on the fire. You really do. You need to take some word and throw it on that fire. You need to get some oil and throw it on that fire. Yeshua brought it. He gave it. You need it. There's no condemnation. Wherever you are and you're walking right now is where you are. And you are there for whatever reason. Learn about it. Learn from it. But move forward. Maybe you can't. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need some people to come get in front of the enemy for a little while to get in between you and the enemy it can be done father i just come on behalf of your children right now and i pray that my brothers out there and sisters that have drawn the sword that are ready will get in front of the get in front of the wounded ones get in front of the tired ones get in front of the little lambs and maybe the older sheep that are just beat up they're wounded there's nobody been tending their wounds And while we intercede, Lord, I ask that you tend their wounds, that you put the oil on them. I'm just calling for the fire of the Holy Spirit to rise up inside each and every one of us, to care about our brothers and sisters, to care about the lost and the dying, to be outraged by what the enemy is doing and getting away with in this fallen world, to stop being complacent and compliant. So, Father... Fire us up. Awaken us by the fire. We may think we're awake, but until you are awakened by fire, you don't know what that's like. David was awakened by the fire of the Holy Spirit when he ran towards Goliath. Samson in his brokenness was awakened by the fire with his eyes gouged out when he put his hands on the pillars of the temple and took it down and killed more in his death than they ever had in his life. Awaken us with the fire right now of compassion for the lost and the dying and those that are being murdered because they love you and those that are being slaughtered in the womb and those that are being sacrificed to feed the enemy. I pray for the awakening of the fire of those that have been blessed and hoarded your blessings and have not cared. I pray that conviction would overwhelm them. And they say, Lord, what would you have me do the way Zacchaeus did? And just do it. Awaken us by fire, Holy Spirit. Speak into our hearts and our minds. Tell us what we need to repent of. Tell us what we need to do more of. Tell us what we need to concentrate on. Knit back together our families. Knit back together those that are broken. Knit back together those that are torn and wounded. 
tend their wounds the way a good shepherd does. And Lord, I pray that you'd push the worthless shepherds out of the way and raise up new ones that will fight for the flock, that'll beat off the wolves, that'll stand in the gap. Because we love you. You're all we have. We can't do this without you. We just give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise from our heart, from our mind, our soul, and our spirit. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I am Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.